0: Hey, this is noah levine founder of against the stream refuge recovery and dharma punks thanks for tuning into the podcast i hope you're enjoying the dharma together may we create a positive change on this planet if you feel moved to leave a donation there's a link in the show notes may our paths cross soon welcome everybody anybody here for the first time tonight a bunch of new folks welcome to Everybody who's joining us for the first time, anybody at home that's tuning in for the first time, welcome. I like to start class by um, giving you something to discuss with each other so that uh, Against the Stream is a place not just to meditate and learn about Buddhism, but to uh, help you uh, develop some community, to meet each other, to... One of the core tenets of Buddhism is called Sangha. It's a term that we translate as community and the importance of having a community and having friends and um, that are also meditators that are also on this journey, on this path, this very uh, alternative way of looking at the world and understanding ourselves and, and behaving and living in this world. So um Tonight, I'll give you, uh, let me ask you a question. Um, what kind of personality do you have? Like when you what do you know about your personality? And sometimes we're we're so identified with it we're like, that's just who I am. But part of us is that we have a persona, personality, tendencies. and and, you know, in the Western world, Uh, We tend to uh, kind of say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. Um, The Buddha broke personalities, and this is what I'm going to talk about later, but he broke it down into uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. So without me explaining some of you know you've heard this, you've thought about it, but I think even more interesting for those of you that don't know this and haven't diagnosed yourself, what do you think you are? You think your personality is like greed-based? Or hatred based? You fucking hater? (laughs) Are you super lustful? Greedy? Craving? You know what, you know, when you or deluded? Just like delusional, self-centered, spaced out, like, what do you what do you think your personality is? And um and how much do you try to not take it personal? It's interesting, a right? personality. It's like personal's in the definition. Personality. Personality type. Um, of course, in Buddhism, we're trying to learn that we're not this mind, this body, this personality. Uh, that there's an awareness that goes beyond identification with the personality or the body or the ego self. Um, and if you're brand new, you know, then probably the humble, honest answer is, yeah, I pretty much take it all personal all the time. <laughs> I pretty much believe my mind and obey it. And that's why I'm in rehab. <laughs> or that's why I got court ordered. Or that's why my therapist said, you need to go fucking meditate. Um that's the you know humble truth for us in the beginning, usually without meditation, we just are identified. But the more you meditate, the more you examine your mind and your personality and your tendencies, the more you start to see like, oh, it's not, it's not really who I am, but it is how my mind functions. I, you know, and I tend to believe my mind or I'm starting to loosen my identity over the years or decades of meditation. So that's your topic for discussion. Um, what, what kind of personality, greed, hatred, or delusion, I'll talk about it later, and then you can re-diagnose yourself. Um, and we'll talk about how you know, useful it is, especially, I think, going into the holidays, to see, yeah, I'm going to go and deal with people, and I'm going to be aversive, because I always am. And have a realistic expectation that, like, it's gonna, you know, or I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna have the craving for this family dynamic to be different than it is, because <laughs> that's just how I, you know, function. I always feel that way. Uh, or I'll be deluded enough that, uh, you know, what, what Thanksgiving, what family dynamic? <laughs> Anyways, I'll talk about that after. At home, I'm gonna put you in breakout groups in the room. Uh, just try to find a couple people you don't already know and talk about uh, your personality and how personal you take it, how much you believe it, how often. Good enough? All right, go. It is through mindfulness, meditation, that we will uh, become more aware of our personality tendencies and also um, begin to change our relationship to the ways that our uh, personality tendencies create unnecessary suffering for us. All All of the Buddhist conversation is about how do we suffer and how can we end suffering? How can we suffer less and have a greater sense of ease and well-being that's not dependent on things, including our own mind, being any different than they are? A change in relationship to what's happening, a change in relationship to our personality and our sense of self and uh, seeing more clearly and without meditation it's thought to be impossible but with meditation it's thought to be quite possible to have some major transformation and and relief alleviation of the causes of suffering this is the buddha's teaching so we'll have a period of uh, silent not silent but sitting meditation i'll give some instructions And the first instruction is find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed. Find a posture that feels sustainable where your body is held upright, but not rigid or stiff.
1: And as you're ready, allow your eyes to be closed.
0: Relaxing into the posture, releasing any unnecessary tension in the face, the trunk of the body, releasing the shoulders, the belly soft. We're softening as much as you can. And it's quite useful to Establish your intention to be kind, to be patient, to be tolerant, compassionate towards your experience. Again, we're not meditating to create some specific outcome, but just to be aware of what's happening moment to moment. So meet whatever happens, your mind, your body, your emotions with as much friendliness as you can. The Buddha started his Meditation instructions, quite simply, he said, breathing in, know that you're breathing in, breathing out, know that you're breathing out. So we spend the first few minutes of our practice just simply attuning, directing our attention to the breath. Mindfulness of breathing. letting everything else recede to the background, the thoughts, the sounds, the other sensations in the body, as we direct our awareness to the sensation the breath creates as we breathe in and out with an encouragement towards awareness being receptive of the breath, no need to control it or breathe any certain way Just awareness of how your body breathes, the natural rhythm of the breath. We're not trying to stop our minds. But in the beginning here, we are trying to stop paying attention to the mind. As we direct our attention to the breath, let the thoughts be in the background. Come back to the breath. Some find it helpful to note in and out, tracking the coming and going of the sensations of the breath. And likewise, when the awareness wanders into thinking, to just note it, name thinking. Perhaps you're aware it's a plan or a memory or fantasy. And then disengage, return to the breath. Am I breathing in or out? present time, non-judgmental
1: awareness of the breath.
0: If you're new to this kind of meditation, you can keep it simple. Just keep coming back to your breath. Keep disengaging from your mind. Returning to the breath. It starts to give you the awareness that the mind continues to think without your input, your permission. Buddha's encouragement was to expand beyond a narrow focus on the breath to a more inclusive awareness of the whole body. Mindfulness of the posture, sitting. Feel the contact with the chair or the cushion. Sitting upright, know that you're sitting upright. Feel your hands resting. In your legs and your lap, opening to the sense doors of hearing and seeing, smelling and tasting, as well as emotion and thought, plans and memories, joy and sorrow, whatever's here with present time
1: non judgmental awareness. the intention to meet it all with kindness, with acceptance,
0: As we bring awareness to our experience, it becomes more clear, more obvious that everything is impermanent. Every breath comes and goes. As we observe the mind, we start to see how thoughts arise and pass, emotions, sounds, everything passing through awareness, nothing
1: permanent. Nothing stable.
0: Also trying to bring some awareness to not just what's happening, this thought the mind is aware of, but what are the feeling tones of your experience? Where is there pleasure in the body or mind, heart? Where is there discomfort or unpleasantness, pain in the body or mind?
1: How much of our experience is actually neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant.
0: The second foundation of mindfulness, we begin to see how much suffering we create based on resisting what's happening, meeting our pain with anger or fear,
1: aversion. meeting the pleasant with craving and clinging, attachment.
0: present time non-judgmental awareness of what's happening and how it feels as it arises and passes through awareness present-time awareness of what's happening and how it feels, with the intention to respond to our pain with kindness, compassion, accepting rather than resisting the unpleasant thoughts and feelings, the intention to meet the pleasant with non-attached appreciation, knowing the mind's tendency towards craving and clinging. We try to let go. Each breath softening the belly, letting go of the past, the future, returning to the present time experience of this breath, arising and passing. For the last couple of minutes, if you'd like to, turn towards loving-kindness, metta. By simply saying to yourself, may I be at ease, just as I am. May I learn to be at ease with this body, this heart, mind, this personality. As well as the personalities of others.
1: May I learn to be at ease.
0: I'm extending this goodwill, this wish to those sitting next to you, in front of you and behind you. May you find peace in your life. May you be at ease with your mind, with the joy and sorrow in your life. Extending this same wish to your friends and family, parents and children. Outward in all directions, to all living beings May all beings find the willingness to do what needs to be done, to train the mind, the heart, and wisdom and
1: compassion. May all beings learn to be at ease, free from suffering, Before I get into the
0: talk about personalities, personality types, any questions about the meditation instructions themselves or how to meditate, how to work with this mindfulness instruction? You don't have a question about how to meditate, but go ahead, Juan. Just a suggestion. (laughs) step back from my retreat yeah and it was underscored to me uh once again yeah how easily we slip into controlling our breath instead of just letting things happen and picking up on the sense you know the vegana the reaction to it what kind of advice would you give someone who's needed meditation is having trouble doing just that could you hear the question at home or should I repeat it No. um question is uh, if somebody's having difficulty, that the encouragement, and I think I said it in the beginning, is to allow, try to allow your body to breathe in its own natural rhythm, and to not um, try to control or manipulate or try to breathe any certain way, just awareness of how your body wants to breathe. And it's hard, a lot of people report, like, I, you know, as soon as I bring my attention to my breath, feels like I am, I'm controlling it. I'm breathing in deep or I'm breathing. Uh, and then, you know, that, I think that's also complicated by a lot of people's, you know, yoga practices. Like you go to yoga and you learn and they say, well, breathe in this way and breathe out that way or these different sort of breath awareness, uh, you know, um, techniques or... Um, and so Buddhism does have this very simplified uh, encouragement, which says... Uh, don't control your breath. Don't, you know, like if it's deep, great. No, I'm breathing deep. If it's shallow, great. No, I'm, I'm breathing shallow. But just completely uh, the intention is be aware of how your body's breathing without controlling or manipulating it. Partially in service to the whole mindfulness deal is awareness of what is without Controlling without, you know, letting go of that tendency to try to create an experience through deep breath. Um, And just, you know, accepting reality as it is, and accepting the body's impersonal uh, tendencies as they are. So, you know, the core question, I think, you know, it sounds like from one is, uh, what if you're struggling with that? What if that's difficult for you to to do? I don't know. Mostly I land in like, just, uh, it's okay. If it feels like, especially in the beginning, if you feel like you can't not control your breath and you feel like you're controlling your, that's okay. Don't judge it too much. You know, if you, you maybe you'll catch yourself, you know, clicking back into yogic pranayama breathing and just be like, Oh, I'm doing that again. Okay. Let me try to let go. But I keep going back to that kind of in through the nose, out through the mouth or the, what is that called? When you like, Uh, the back of your throat, and you're like, (sighs) um, which, you know, some meditation techniques encourage. In Buddhism, we don't. In this kind of Buddhism, we don't. So I I don't know. I kind of come back to, like, keep trying to relax into allowing the body to breathe you. That's an interesting way to think about it. Rather than I am breathing, uh, my body, my breath is breathing me, breathing itself. That, does it feel, to me, it feels like that sometimes, where it's just like, there's awareness here, uh, aware of the body breathing all by itself. And when you can relax enough into it, that becomes clear and obvious. But it's a common phenomena that, that Juan is, is pointing towards, where a lot of times we're so identified and so kind of tight, it feels like we're controlling it. And I mostly say, like, no big deal. Keep meditating. feel like you're controlling the breath. Keep investigating that, no big deal, but hear the encouragement that that's not what we're trying to do here. Um, We're trying not to control it. We're trying to let go, let the body just breathe. Anything else? I see one at home. Alice, go ahead. Hi. um, So I was wondering if you have any advice for when the mind is scattered. Like in my case, I was, um, having so much trouble paying attention that I missed um, the instructions that you were giving. Yeah. I mean, sometimes a narrower focus on the breath and the, the noting, uh, breathing in, breathing, giving the mind, when the mind is real busy, sometimes giving it something to do will help. Labeling, noting, even counting the breath, like kind of that simple Oh, I'm all over the place in the future, in the past. But if I just come back to like breathing in one, breathing out two, breathing in three, then I am off in scattered thought again and then come back, start over. Breathing in one, breathing out two. You know, maybe you get to three or four and then you're gone again and you come back. Or noting in, out, giving the mind some some task, labeling, noting. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes nothing helps that much. And what you're doing is you're just sitting here aware of the scatteredness or the busyness or the chaoticness of your mind. And you just accept that. I'm just going to sit here and my mind's all over the fucking place. And I'm not really hearing the instructions or feeling my breath that much. And you just accept it's going to be like that tonight. Okay, let's see what happens. I'm going to think about a bunch of maybe cool shit or bullshit uh, and I'm just going to sit here. And sometimes after a while, I don't know what happened for you tonight, Alice, but once in a while, when you do that and you don't try to, um, you know, you just accept that, sometimes the mind settles, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, And it's okay. Sometimes you have those meditations where just a scattered mind the whole time, but still, I got my ass on the cushion and I gave my 30 minutes or my 40 minutes or, and you know, the consistency. Uh, will we'll build to, sometimes it's situational. I don't know, uh, Alice, if you can identify, sometimes when something's going on, some difficulties or even if you're like excited about something, you got a trip coming up or you're really worried about the holidays this week or which just gives the mind sort of like, you know, more um, tendency to be busy then harder to settle sometimes not a lot of big things are going on in your life and you have more success with settling, you know, and just kind of being more present with hearing the instructions and being with the breath. Ian, last, I'll take this last question, then I'll get to my personality talk. Go ahead, Ian. Uh, hey, Hopefully it's a, a quick one for you. Uh,
1: so I'm, I'm pretty, fairly new to the to, to practice only a couple of months in here and
0: I've, I've been really struggling to, I think even set up like, or start practicing, you know, besides, you know, coming to Sangha, I guess here, um, what the fuck else do I do? You know, um, I am reading, I have, you know, a couple books from, uh, Palm village and, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going, but, uh, I, I guess I'm just looking for a little guidance. Sorry. <laughs> appreciate it. I mean, it is a, it's a great question. It's an important question. I don't know that I totally have the answer. I can give you a couple of like helpful things, hopefully. Um, You know, first we have to set the intention, you know, you like you, you read about Buddhism, you hear, you hear it. And you're like, I, sounds like a good idea. I'd like to, you know, meditation and the benefits of meditation and the sounds like a good idea. And now I want to apply it. I want to put it to work in my life and uh, the intention that ian's talking about of i'd like to develop a daily meditation practice but right now i'm going to class once a week and i'm meditating once a week (laughs) and it's not quite happening on my own and it's a lot easier when you're sitting here in a group and you know on the zoom or in person and somebody's giving you the instructions and you're just like okay i'm here but to get on the cushion at or chair whatever on the meditation posture at home and self-guide yourself is, is challenging some of the things that are helpful, I mean, part of it is just schedule it. 7 a.m. every day, period. Just like brushing your teeth, schedule it. You might find that that gets you on the cushion two or three days a week. And then eventually four and then five. And then, you know, find that time in your schedule where it fits. Make it fit. Make room for it. Um, and then... Before you fully know the meditation instructions, it is very useful to have guided meditations like I'm doing here. Listen to them. There, you know. Now there's a whole bunch of different meditation apps uh, and some of them um, are decent. Uh, some of them are, are pretty sort of like mindfulness light and aren't giving you the full Buddhist instruction. But even those in the beginning useful, just that reminder, come back to your breath, come back to the present. Uh, 10-minute meditations or 15-minute meditations Um, you know my I all every Monday night is recorded and is on the podcast and on Zoom so if my instructions resonate with you 30-minute meditations listen to those to until you know how to do the mindfulness and know how to do the loving kindness and the compassion and the forgiveness so those guided meditations will help and community really helps. And I don't know, uh, Ian, who asked the question. I don't know where you live, but it's so you know, if you can actually develop in-person community where you meet people and you meditate with people and you get that regular reminder of the Buddha's teachings, and it's it's key for me. It's, it's uh, always been key. Um, But a lot of people I know who come to our Zoom live in places where you don't have a teacher or a community to, to practice with. And you're stuck with this online thing, which is pretty good. I imagine it's better than nothing, but it's not the same as actually having a community to practice with. So if there is, you know, and even... I do, I encourage people, even if it's not really like your heart teacher or your like perfect teacher, but there are teachers and communities, go sit with them anyways. Sometimes, uh, I mean, as long as it's like, I don't know, not totally a terrible community. I I always feel hesitant to say this kind of stuff because I feel guilty. Like sometimes I'm encouraging people to go sit in communities that I personally would never sit with because I think they're really bad. (laughs) Bad as in like out of integrity and you know, um, maybe even unsafe in some ways for for some people. So um, but find a community, find a good community, <laughs> be careful. But you know, I, I wrote that chapter in Against the Stream. I think it's the last chapter in the Against the Stream book that's titled Beware of Teachers. <laughs> so, like teachers are good, but also like be skeptical because there's a lot of weird shit that happens and culty shit that happens. And um, so, you know, find good teachers, but also be skeptical, healthy skepticism. I hope some of those were helpful, but really just having that intention of like, I wanna develop a practice and then just start doing it more and more and finding more groups and more, you know, podcasts and things that get you on the cushion that support your, your practice. All right, so personality types. What do I want to say? First, I want to put in the context that uh, what Buddhism teaches is that all suffering for all living beings is based in greed, hatred, or ignorance or delusion. Ignorance or delusion. So first, just kind of set on, sit in that and, and reflect on your own life. Has any of my suffering came from anything other than ignorance? Greed, greed, which means lust and clinging and craving, all of that sort of wanting to keep, wanting to get, wanting to needing that feeling of I need this moment to be different than it is in order to be happy. And hatred, which isn't always the big sort of like I fucking hate this or that. It's just aversion, you know, the subtle I need this moment to be different. I hate the way it is. I don't accept the way it is. I'm uh, not very good at being uncomfortable or bored, or, um, and I hate it when I'm bored or uncomfortable or lonely or having you know difficult emotions. And also important context with what we're talking about in Buddhism, which is that pain is not the cause of suffering. And that the whole Buddhist promise that we can end suffering Nowhere says, well, there's one place where it says it, but mostly nowhere says you can end pain. Just that we can change our relationship to pain and not meet it with hatred. That we can meet it with compassion. We can meet it with wisdom, with acceptance. doesn't, you know, you can get enlightened and life will still sometimes be painful. Having a body with a nervous system means you have physical pain and having a heart and a mind even an awakened heart and mind mean you know you still have afflictive emotions meditation doesn't lead to completely you know getting rid of of difficult emotions just a wiser and wiser relationship to fear and anger and the afflictive emotions does that make sense i hope so because that context is very important for in order for what we're trying to do to be uh, practical and possible, we have to have the context that we're not uh, thinking that eventually we're going to be transcending our humanness, but we're actually going to be embodying full humanness with a wise relationship, the humanness of emotion and sensation and ego and a mind that creates a A self, self self-centeredness, ignorance. All of that continues (laughs) Uh, from what I hear. I don't really know because I'm not enlightened, but what I hear is that even the kind of full liberation includes pain and difficult emotions. And I think that's important. So greed, hatred, and delusion is natural is universal in some way or another and in this teaching the buddha says not only do we see it as the cause of our all of the suffering in the world but then we see it as all of the suffering in ourselves and we can start to refine it and see oh my personality has a tendency towards craving greed aversion anger hatred or ignorance, delusion. How many of you, I don't know really how to do this at home. I guess you could raise your hands in the reaction button if you wanted to, but how many of you um, diagnosed yourself and are pretty sure that you're a greed personality type? I am. And <laughs> How many of you diagnosed yourself and are pretty sure that you're an aversive a hatred personality type. Okay, The rest of you are ignorant. (laughs) Ignorant as in not sure, or (laughs) or as in um, deluded. If you think you're all three, it's true, right? We are all three. I wonder if those of us who are committed to being all three are really just greed types. I want to be all three. I don't want to just have one. I want three. We all constantly uh, experience craving and aversion and some levels of ignorance and, and delusion. So, you know, these are universal for all of us. Here's the classic way I think it's in the Dhamma or maybe some of the commentaries where they talk about uh, how you can diagnose yourself Uh, they say uh, when you first walk into a room so those of you here remember like some of you are here for the first time tonight walking into the room I'm not quite sure if it works the same walking into a zoom room sitting down to a zoom room but um so when you first walk into a room, do you generally notice what you like or don't like about the space? <laughs> it said that aversive types will first see uh, what they don't like. You know, immediately kind of a, a critical focus on what's wrong. Like, why is it set up like this? And these carpets and this, you know, like they'll they'll see, uh, you know, the kind of burn marks or smudges or, um, you know, coming up the stairs. See like, well, these haven't been swept this week, have they? (laughs) And that'll be the focus. Um, The greed type will first see what they like. They'll notice the... Lack of, you know, the dirty stairs or the dirty carpets or whatever, but they'll kind of get more focused on. Well, I like the comfortable chairs, or I like the art, or you know, the the eye will go towards um, what they like about the space and and, and focus more on that. Of um, the diluted types, might not be totally aware of this didn't even notice the stairs or the carpets or or the art maybe a little bit i mean you can't sort of avoid the fucking massive paintings behind me but you know the aversive types are like i just don't like those paintings the buddha's cool but what about where what those fucking monsters i don't like those or you know I, I like the mahakala you know but the buddha's like that's a weird buddha Um, and the diluted types might not be quite as sometimes diluted uh, you're a little spaced out about the material things and uh, it's not so important you're sort of in your head you're kind of scattered kind of i was thinking about myself the whole time i'm not really focused on the art or the space i'm uh, more worried about like am i going to be accepted here Am I, you know, like, am I, do I fit in or is this the right place? Or notice so I'd beware of teachers, maybe I should beware of him, like um, kind of more in your head about it. And if you can start to see that tendency of your personality, like, you know, again, greed type like myself, um I, i'll i'll have a lot of desire a lot of wanting i'll i'm somewhat optimistic and 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 but a lot of like i'll walk into a space and i'll see what i like about it and but then there's this kind of and i want it like i will see the like i saw these paintings somewhere and i was like oh i like those i have to have them you know like and you know that tendency towards but then you know of. The second thought might be like, "Well, I, I like the art, or but um, couldn't they get some new chairs? These things are fucking falling apart. And uh, the, when was the last time these stairs were uh, swept? Or how about these carpets? Have they been shampooed lately? Or whatever it is, that critical tendency is still there. It's just not pri- It's not the first thing, second thing, <laughs> or third thing." um and likewise for the aversive or the diluted. maybe it wasn't what you noticed at first but once you settled into the space and felt like okay i got my um not, then you start noticing what you like and you don't like it wasn't the primary the aversive type comes in and says i, I don't like a b and c but i do like d e and f right? but it's the, it's the second thought it's not the primary it's not the first Beginning to under, do you, does this change anything? You don't have to answer, but just reflecting on when we can start to see, oh, that's just how my mind works. It's not really who I am. Like I said earlier, the more you meditate, the more you see my mind has a mind of its own and it has tendencies and it has greed and hatred and delusion. It's not that personal. It's not really, it's not your fault, but it's part of being me, it's part of being you. And when we commit to say, hey, I wanna suffer less, I wanna be more free, I wanna be happier, it's gonna become necessary to have some discernment to not believe all of our thoughts and to not take them also personally. And, And our personality and just see like, oh, yeah, of course I'm always wanting stuff or I'm always critical of stuff, it's not who I am, But it is my experience. It is often how I'm going to be perceiving things. One moment. I found uh, some things from the Vasudhi that were interesting. It said, um, this is commentary. It says um, that the greedy type has a tendency to seize on trivial virtues of others and discount genuine faults. You ever do that? Where like in relationship, you're kind of like, well, they're really cool in this way. And you just kind of dismiss their genuine faults. And when departing, so when the, the greed type, when leaving um, a space, they do so with regret as if unwilling to leave. Like greed types are like, wait, I don't, this. Is, especially when it's a pleasant experience, they're like the last ones, they wanna stay, they wanna you know, soak it up. When it's time to leave, they're like, fuck, I don't wanna leave, I wanna stay. That was interesting commentary. It says for the um, aversive types, they pick out trivial faults and discount genuine virtue. You ever find yourself doing that? Where it's like somebody's like a pretty good person, but you really get focused on a trivial fault and, and, and discount their genuine uh, virtues. And when departing, they do so without regret, as if being anxious to leave. The aversive type is like, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. What the, how many? 20 more minutes? Okay, I can deal with it. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm going to leave five minutes early, though. You somebody that likes to leave early? It says, um, again, the Vasudhi Magha is a, a commentary on Buddhism. It says, when one of the deluded temperament sees any sort of physical, visible object, they copy what others do. If they hear others criticizing, they criticize. You ever find that tendency of like, well, just, I don't really know my own views and opinions. I'll just go with the crowd. You guys hate it. I fucking hate it too. (laughs) They hear others praising they praise. Oh, you guys think this is cool. I fucking love it. You like that band? Great. Best band, but actually they feel equanimity in themselves But it's the equanimity of not knowing, not having a strong view either way, and not being so pulled by the craving or the aversion that they're, you know, deluded types, ignorant types, uh, kind of just like, well, I don't know, I just want to fit in. So what do you hate? Yeah, I hate that too. What do I got to do to earn love around here? I'll do it. I think it might be in the Vasudhi Maga too, where there's some um, description of how greed types walk like almost like dragging their feet. Like they want to like drag the sensation of an uh, aversive type sort of stomp, you know, kind of like, I forget what the diluted type description is. If you can get some sense of this, it's so helpful. There's then also encouragement towards, um, there's a positive side. It said that if you can come to see your personality as uh, greed, that the positive side that for most greed types is a tendency towards faith and confidence. So like if you're a greed type and you start studying Buddhism and you start practicing meditation, and you're just like, well, uh, I want to get, aw- I want to be awakened. I want to end suffering, right? That's the next shiny object that I want, liberation. And greed types will often have be motivated by, so I'll meditate every day and I'll go to the retreats and I'll practice the precepts. And what do I have to do to get what I want? How can I get it? And I have the confidence that it's possible. If it's possible, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. Motivated by greed on some level. The aversive types, you know, come into the Dharma and um, have a little bit more of that, what's called discerning wisdom. Like, yes, there's anger and yes, there's um, aversion, but also a lot of the things that the aversive types are critical of is actually true. The stairs are actually dirty. They need to be swept the, uh, and coming into a community or, or some of the stuff around Buddhism, they'll be like, well, I like this part of the teaching. I like, but I feel so aversive to you know, some of the power dynamics or the history of sexism in the religion or whatever it is. And that stuff is true. And it's discernment the, that we're angry about um, that we're aversive to. So there's a discerning wisdom I think for those two, it's it's interesting to say, like, do you want to get f- free because you want to have the experience of freedom and you're craving for the experience of freedom? Or do you want to get free because you hate not being free? Because you're aversive to suffering. Both sides are true for us, but looking at your own mind, am I trying to Create an experience, or am I trying to get away from an experience? It's kind of both and, right? I want to get away from this suffering and towards freedom. But what's really the motivation? Craving for freedom or hatred of suffering? I hate hating. So I'm going to try to stop hating. Something like that. I find the deluded type to be the most difficult to really speak to because um, the craving and the aversion is so obvious. Diluted types, self-centered, spaced out. Sometimes the, the positive quality is part of what I read there, which is a tendency towards natural equanimity, not being as, you know, craving or clinging or attached, not being as aversive or resistant but a kind of delusional sort of show up as spaced out. I don't really know. I don't have strong views and opinions. Um, I don't really know myself that well. I'm a little, um, you know, a little confused. A little spaced out. But because I'm not so attached or aversive, I'm not suffering quite, you know, as intensely as the people that are really, driven by greed or really driven by hatred. I find it really useful to have, look at my own mind and tendencies like this to help me not take them so personal and to bring the antidote to, um, you know, for the craving type to a lot of reflection on impermanence, coming to understand that, yeah, you want stuff, but whatever, especially when it's sensual or material, it's not gonna work. It's impermanent, whatever, you can get the stuff, but it's not going to lead to a lasting satisfaction that reflection on the impermanent nature of things. And for the aversive types, the antidote, the balancing is love and kindness and, and compassion. And you know, learning to uh, have more of an attitude of friendliness towards our environment, towards ourselves, towards others. For the deluded type, it's, it's mindfulness, it's concentration, it's being more present, more investigative. I mean, mindfulness, loving kindness, uh, and the truth of impermanence is our practice, all of our practices, all of the time. It'd be so useful to not only diagnose ourselves, but have some sense of especially people that are close to us, what their personality type is. Like, for instance, if you're going home for the holidays and you usually have conflict with some of the people in your family. Interesting to take a moment and try to reflect, uh, is it their aversiveness? Is it their clinginess, their cravingness? Is it their deluded? You know, what are their personal? How about mom and dad and siblings and, Cousins and uncles, and thinking about them, and if you can really sort of diagnose, and you may or may not be correct, but I've found that when I uh, am, uh, you know, thinking I'm that I'm correct about someone else, it helps me not have as much conflict and not take it as personal. When I know, like, oh, this person's aversive, or this person's greedy, or this person's deluded, it helps me not take it so personal. When we see things differently. Right? Because a greedy person and a a hatred person and a deluded person walk into the same room, but we all have different opinions about the room. And how often is the conflict in our lives about, like, how dare you have a different opinion than me? I'm right, you're wrong. Rather than just seeing, like, oh, your personality sees it that way, mine sees it this way, rather than either of us being. Right or wrong, just different views, different opinions, different tendencies. And then often we can kind of come to the middle ground, Uh, even though we, we enter the room, we enter the situation, we enter the conversation differently. We can come around to where's the common ground? Where's the, rather than getting so focused on our disagreements, our different views. So I encourage you, you know, sitting around, if you have a family gathering or a friends giving or whatever you're doing this week on Thursday, um, you can take some time to be mindful of your own tendencies in those situations and also everyone else around the table, everyone else that's, you know, if you're gathering with a group and to just sort of look at, wow, look at all of these people believing our own minds identified with our own minds, taking it personal, and then the times where there's conflict with each other and seeing what we can do to uh, not get so hooked into our tendencies and personality or other people's. So those are some of my thoughts about the personality types. What is uh, Any questions or comments or clarifications before we end tonight? At home, you can raise your hand in the reactions. And then here you can just raise your hand. Please.
1: Um, well, I think I definitely identify as an aversive personality type,
0: and I've been making like
1: pretty big efforts to have
0: a positive mental attitude. I'm just kind of curious, like, how much just like naturally, I'm just not going to necessarily think of things in a positive
1: light at first versus like how much we really like trained.
0: I'm not sure. Um, I think that you're going to have to live with that tendency of mind. And maybe the more loving kindness and PMA you try to develop, uh, it'll shift it some. Some uh, propose that maybe the Buddha was an aversive personality type. So you might be in good company. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that maybe one of the proposals is, he started with what's wrong, suffering, right? He walked right into existence with first noble truth, suffering. A greed type would have been like first noble truth, nirvana, the truth is we can get liberated, right? Like a greed type would started with the good news. An aversive type starts with the bad news and then gets around to like, and there's a cause of suffering and there's an end of suffering. So you might have a mind that starts with the bad news and it takes a moment to get around to, everything's gonna be okay. Now there's a counter argument against the Buddha being an aversive type that says, um, that's just the, he was was formulating the Four Noble Truths in a medical model, which um, first diagnosed the symptoms the symptom, that suffering is an illness, right? And that the symptoms are suffering in all of these ways, the cause of suffering, you know? And then the third is uh, the diagnosis, can we treat it or not? Is there a a treatment? And, or, you know, can we heal it? Third noble truth, yes, we can heal this. The treatment is the Eightfold Path. So some say not aversive type, it's just the Ayurvedic medical model. But maybe he was an aversive type, like, You know, maybe you are in good company. I do. I do feel like that. Like if I was going to, uh, you know, create a religion, I might start with the good news. Like those guys that knock on your door, the Christians and say, I've got the good news. It's like a better sales pitch rather than like, I'd like to share the truth of suffering with you. It's like just not as uh... I guess it depends on your personality type. You know, for a lot of us, they're like, oh, okay, Buddhism starts with the truth of suffering. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. It's when you start getting around to loving kindness that we get skeptical. <laughs> you had me at suffering, but now you're talking about loving kindness. And I don't fucking, what kind of hippie shit is this? <laughs>
1: Murph, if uh, if
0: someone is a delusional type, well, actually, I mean, I don't know if you covered this, you kind of spoke to it just now, but you know, like basically, what are the antidotes? What can we do if we have the type or the aversive type or the delusion type? I, I think, uh, that the greed type is reflection on impermanence. And sometimes it's the reflection that traditional monastic is like the reflection on um, loathsomeness. And it's it's kind of seeing through our tendency to cling to pleasure and material thing. And so seeing the impermanence of pleasure and material things, and that also our lust and our, it's just a dead end, and just reflecting on that and coming to understand. Uh, So I would say mostly the impermanence. For the greed type, it's the, I mean, uh, for the hatred type, it's loving kindness in the Vasudhi Maga that's really, you know, said like, do a lot of metta, do, you know, try to become more loving, more kind, more compassionate towards your own mind's aversive tendency. And then it'll just soften your relationship to things. And I think that for the, um, diluted type it's it's mindfulness present be more present in your mind in your body some concentration like be more engaged in in what you're doing as you're doing it it's hard to say it because and i did say it before because that's what all of us have to do no matter what our personality is mindfulness loving kindness compassion but you might see you need an extra dose Of mindfulness might be more of a focus. You need an extra dose of loving kindness, might become more of a focus in your practice. Um, Maybe we'll leave it there for tonight. Um, Do your best to not suffer too much around the holidays. It's a difficult time for a lot of people. Uh, It can be a setup for. Um, unnecessary suffering but maybe also unavoidable maybe if you're if you're going into situations where you know year after year you find it I know some people love the holidays we we were um, Lily and I were coming back from a retreat today we were coming from the airport we're talking to our Lyft driver, and he was like, I love Thanksgiving. It's the, my favorite holiday, and we're having 16 people over. And he was really excited about it. And, um, you know, maybe that's your experience, and you have this kind of loving community family thing. Uh, I guess I just tend to feel like it's a challenging time, especially for addicts and recovery, and it can be a challenging time. So, just wanting to encourage and support bringing your practice to the holidays with you, letting it inform how you show up. Maybe this personality stuff will help. Last time I was here two weeks ago, I encouraged the long-term forgiveness practice. So when you're sitting there, sending love and kindness, sending forgiveness to the people in your family as much as you can so that you're showing up with as much compassion, as much wisdom, as much forgiveness. Uh, to so that you don't suffer so much about being there and even if you don't suffer so much and you like being there a little extra loving kindness and forgiveness always good so just encouragement the next against the stream and you know for announcements uh new year's eve which is going to be on december 31st this year uh here i think it's a Saturday night, we're going to um, have a 7.30 to, or maybe it's seven anyways, registrations available. We do this yearly intention setting ceremony where we get together, we take the refuges and the precepts and we have a a candle lighting ceremony where you have the opportunity to light a candle and reflect on your uh, intentions for the coming year. And uh, many of you have joined uh, it'll be hybrid people can do it at home uh, you can tune into zoom or you can show up in person you do need to register because there is limited and there's going to be a special registration link that you need to register for on the website so please join us on new year's bring bring your friends it's a good way to start the year end the year start the new year And then the next Against the Stream uh, retreat is in March, and it's in Portugal. Um, And that was also available on the site, the 10-day silent meditation retreat in Portugal. And I know that's a long ways to go for a retreat, but um, teaching with Jason Siff, who's a friend and colleague of mine, and he has a there's a retreat center over there that invited him, and he invited me to come with. And it's cheap, it's 600 bucks for a 10 day retreat. I mean, you still got to get your ass to Europe. But um, I know some people in the community have already registered. And again, that's on the Against the Stream site if you're interested in more information or registering. We have a couple of people visiting tonight that are. Um, involved in a local neuroscience, uh, study, I guess. And they're looking for people. There's some flyers on the desk. And I put one back there on the table. They're looking for people to study your brains meditators. Um, the requisite for it is that you've done, uh, you've been meditating for five years and you've done 30 days of, uh, silent retreat practice. And if you, have if you re, uh, reach those qualifications and you're interested, they're pay. I don't know. It's, you get a few hundred bucks for doing. It. You guys can say something about it if you'd like.
1: Yeah. It's only three days, um and yes, thirty
0: bucks an hour. And, um, but it pays, and it's all open source for really non-profit. A Trying to lower the barrier of entry to meditation for a lot of people and provide personalized tools that to people do that. And you know, a lot of cool tools that our lab. If, if anybody follows. Wants to come by, come check it out. It's fun. We're trying to, you know, really resonate at the beginning of your talk, but trying to call the community. Yeah. 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 And it's right over in Santa Monica. So people on the west side, um, feel free to speak to these two in the back, back row here about it if you're interested. Yeah. I know you guys probably can't hear it at uh, home, but this is um, mostly for people local here to Los Angeles. If you're interested in it, um, we could maybe, what's the um, What's the name of it if people at home want to Google it?
1: The Institute for Advanced Consciousness. As,
0: and what's the website?
1: Advanced Consciousness.
0: Hopefully I didn't misspell it. I put in the link for those that, that want to go check it out. Thank you um lastly class is done by donation against the stream as a nonprofit organization that is entirely supported pretty much entirely supported by the generosity of people who attend class uh, or come to the retreats or, or register for events that we do the suggested donation is twenty dollars for monday night um, if you can give twenty dollars please do if you can give more please do If you don't have 20 bucks to donate, donate whatever feels appropriate to you, whatever you can afford, and everybody's welcome here, never turned away for lack of ability to donate. But likewise, for people at home, there's a link there in the um, chat, if you can follow through that link and make a donation to help support our, our meditation center, please do that. And uh, I'll be here next week and then I'm going to be gone for three weeks. I'm, I'm heading off to do some retreat, some travel and some retreat time myself. So um, hopefully come next week and then, uh, and then I won't see you for the next few weeks after that. Monday nights will continue to happen. Jason Murphy and Ward Robinson will be subbing the Monday night classes while I'm gone. So um, hopefully I'll see you next week. May any goodness that comes from our practice and discussion of the Buddha's dharma be shared outward in all directions. May each one of us get as free as possible, and together may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks for being here tonight, and uh, see you soon, hopefully. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.